Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Welcome back to Caustic Content, your favorite podcast in the whole wide world. I'm Steve Cuff, and with me today is Adam Myros. You're in that musical spirit. I am in that musical spirit, and in case you haven't guessed, this is our very first musical episode, and hopefully the last, based on my experience <laughs> over the last 48 hours. Oh, come on. There was nowhere to go but up from last episode. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. But, I mean, if I'm going to watch some of the worst stuff ever, I, I don't know if I also need the worst originally composed music ever to accompany it, but yeah, it's been, it's been a rough couple of days. Uh, I feel like only one of these really composed music. The other one was just like, we're using these old-timey barbershop tunes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to definitely dive into that. So, yeah, welcome to Caustic Content. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. And let me kind of explain what we're doing here. So, Adam Iris and I have watched a lot of good movies together over the years. And we've also watched a lot of bad movies so, thanks to the joy of streaming services not really caring about what they put up on their various websites, uh, we have decided to try and find the absolute worst film in the entire universe. And so each week, Myrus and I choose a film, and we go head-to-head to try and decide which one is worse. And uh, we're, we're, just, we're keeping a, a tally here of who's coming up with the best worst shit i guess uh Myros, what's our score currently uh i am leading i, I am currently two one and one our first episode was okay. a draw it was and, a draw uh, so, yeah. yeah but i'd say you you landed a, a pretty severe knockout blow with the, <laughs> the spy who boned us literally an instant ko which <laughs> again we've mentioned this before i sincerely believe it is the worst thing i've ever seen Yes, yes. It's, and, it's unimpeachable. Uh, we are speaking from some level of expertise as well. Yeah. Yeah. Watch a We've lot of garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the, don't ever watch The Spy Who Boned Us uh, unless you want to be one of those people who traverses the IMDb bottom 100 or whatever. <laughs> go yeah. for it. How much do you hate yourself? That's the question you really need to ask. But anyways, this week we're, we're doing musicals and uh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Not only are, are they musicals, but they're also very distinctly, like, nerdy subculture-themed. <laughs> so, Myros, your film, which I guess we'll talk about first, that you chose, is a, a little, like, rockabilly romp of some sort called Psycho Betty's from Planet Pussycat. Uh, yeah, I kept wanting to call it rockabilly, too, except... Really, I guess it's not. There's not no. like really any rockabilly in the movie. It's no, like- there's there's not at all. It's it's like if if you were at a high school battle of the bands in 1995, and uh, like everybody was just really into Soundgarden at the time, but none of them had any talent. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like it. It almost plays out like a jukebox musical from the style of the the music they chose. A- again, it's like. Someone just came up with a title. Uh, they were like, oh, Psycho Betty's from Planet Pussycat. And then 
they had only listened to classic rock stations for the entirety of their life and decided they'd have a go at it. Sure. Uh, and this this kind of has one of those, you know, 1950s teen scare film feels to it or you know, 50s, 60s. So, you know, your your motorcycle gang and then also they love like psychotic women. So, it's it's a good mashup of that. And this really is is neither one of those things. So, the the title is certainly derived from those films, but uh it, the, the movie itself is it, it's something else entirely. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's not what you want out of this sort of movie. If you're going to make a zero-budget movie called Psycho Betty's from Planet Pussycat, you want to lean into like a sort of uh, a John Waters aesthetic. You want to you want to make a body sleazy film uh, and have some fun with it. But this movie, I don't know. It's, it's too. It's wholesome. It's, yeah, it's wholesome. It pretty much is. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, I guess maybe we're being too cynical here. Like, it, we should give them some credit, you know? This is, uh, they're not trying to make a, just a, a cynical film that we would expect. They're they're just giving us a nice slice of, of warm happiness that is impossible to watch because it's horribly boring. Uh, that it is. Oh, boy. Uh, before we get too deep, by the way, Steve, we should run down our rules real quick, which would be no repeat directors. Uh, what else we got? Uh, no found footage. Your rule. No, no found footage. Uh, also, we're only allowed to view what the streaming service deems to provide us. Uh, so, yeah, maybe they'll give us a trailer. Maybe not. Maybe we're just working off uh, title, title, and description. Um, also, no Godfrey Ho, but that's that's kind of lumped in with the no repeat directors. Yeah, yeah, uh, and well, it cannot be something either of us have seen before. So. Yep. Also think- true. That is about it. Speaking of Godfrey Ho, uh, you may notice our uh, fancy art, which I uh, designed in tribute to Godfrey Ho, uh, because we did feature him in our first episode. So if you're wondering why in the hell RoboCop appears in uh, in our uh, show uh, our show art, then it's it's a Godfrey Ho thing. Yeah, it's not RoboCop. It's Robo Vampire Three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get it right, you idiots. So, yeah, my film Psycho Betty's from Planet Pussycat. Uh, this is a director, well, maybe not a director I was tempted to include multiple films from before we instituted that, but this studio uh, kept coming up in my in my searches, this Egg Murders Pictures, which, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of tried to narrow it down from there. It was like, boy, I keep seeing this, and they all look so fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh and this one, I, I think it's just the cover. It, mm-hmm. it struck me as like, and the fact that it's musical, I was like, this thing is, it, it has potential. <laughs> yeah, and the photo, it's just like, it's the four women who star in the film, and they're just sort of wrapped up in aluminum foil, which they don't actually wear these outfits in the movie. And it's kind of like a low-res photo, and then they just have this like vibrant pink outline around them, and then you have this nice defaults font for the title so a lot of great stuff right. going on here yeah yeah it, it uh, they couldn't use the aluminum foil outfits they had used their entire supply to build the sets <laughs> they did they they, they actually I, I think they stripped the local costco of, of all the reynolds wrap that they had I, and that's kind of an important point of this film because uh, wow it it sure doesn't look good, and <laughs> but there there is a strange, distinct charm about the fact that Planet Pussycat, the the titular Planet Pussycat, is 
basically, it looks like a sound stage or probably like a local theater stage that has just been wrapped in in foil. That's it. There is a bit of a charm to that. Unfortunately, only about 10 to 15 minutes of the film occur on Planet Pussycat. Uh, the remainder of the film has no such charms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once it, it, And this is another common thing that we're seeing here, too, where a lot of these bad movies, because their budgets are so low, they kind of devolve into uh, single apartment films. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's one thing I tend to eyeball what I what I'm searching for these if I'm seeing that single set uh, mm-hmm. going on in the trailer for a film I'm like yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. and this is this is something that you see in I won't say low budget films in general but a lot a lot of the good bad movies you know if, if you look at the films of, of Neil Breen <laughs> fateful findings comes to mind that's that's a pretty heavy one house film uh, even the room if you look at the room it's it's mostly just the one apartment and then of course the, the the rooftops and the alleyways so this is this is pretty par for the course i don't know why because there's a few outside sets that they use and there's certainly a lot of opportunities for them to venture out and, and do other things uh, show us the beautiful city of albuquerque where this is filmed but uh they they really don't take advantage of that at all uh, they certainly do not. No, I, I don't know. Like, literally, this movie could have been made for, we'll say, $50. <laughs> uh, yeah. That foil costs some money. But I, I would assume that the actors and the production crew are all kind of passion projecting such a thing. And, uh, yeah, I it, the director slash writer is also the composer slash producer of the, of the music involved. And yeah, it's it's all kind of a, a homemade job, which again it can be charming in the right hands. Here, eh, even even something like Neil Breen, you could say, well, all of this is filmed in his house, probably or a house he rented. But at least it's a house. Yeah, these people have like a room, <laughs> like the, it's a shitty fucking apartment that you're not allowed to paint. <laughs> uh, so it's it's just like beige space, and I I guess they try to dress that up with obnoxious uh, toning of the of the print. Mm-hmm. Everything is is kind of a various hues of magenta. <laughs> yeah, one weird trick for making your low budget indie musical stick out. Yeah, you just turn everything purple so my eyes bleed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and also don't light anything half the time. There's, there's no. a lot of scenes in this film that are just like, well, what? I can't see anything. It's super dark for no reason at all. It's it's really weird. So I, I guess we should discuss the, the plot here. Um, it, it doesn't move much, so once you get the, the basics down, there's really not that much going on otherwise. So the the general thing that's going on here is you got your titular psycho Bettys, which are four women named Betty. And they live on the titular planet Pussycat, where, shocker, it's all ladies, and all their men have died off, so they need to uh, bang dudes in order to procreate. Although it's not made sure. At first, it seems like they need to bang the dudes, but later we learn that they're actually, like, harvesting genitals, maybe? Sort of? 
Ah, I don't know if that was uh, the agenda or if the one person was just... Like trophy hunting? Yeah, I, I guess. I, I think it was an alternate uh, path. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. another way to do it, you know? That's yeah. that's how I like to, to get pregnant, is just to, to cut off the genitals of a suitor and then uh, stick it in a cooler. Which, it's it's explained that they're going to use it to clone men, but I don't think they really require a penis to clone a man. No, do you need technology. to... <laughs> it doesn't seem like they need to fuck them or just take their penis. Like, couldn't you do that with, like, a fingernail clipping? This whole thing seems a little harebrained. Uh, shockingly, I, I don't think... That was the thrust of the film. I don't think they yeah. really were that interested in the, in the plot. No, I, I I don't think a lot of thought went into that. Uh, <laughs> so the the psycho Bettys pile into their Honda Fit spaceship, which, by the way, again, this is kind of another charming moment where it's clear that they they don't have the budget to you know have a fake spaceship, and uh, they used up all their aluminum foil, so. They literally just have a Honda Fit in a garage, and there's this throwaway line where they're like, yes, we made a spaceship that looks like uh, a, an Earth vehicle. It's called a 2009 Honda Fit. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's that's a little charming, I suppose. It's it's at this point in the movie where the music is, is less obnoxious. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is it's got kind of a nice B-52s type groove to it. Yeah, and uh, then it's got these kind of kitschy sets, and they they pull that Honda Fit joke out, which is it's kind of fun. And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe this movie will, maybe I'll lose, but uh, that's okay for the greater good and my own <laughs> sanity. This might be uh, kind of a fun little thing, but yeah, not not exactly as it as it kind of drags along. But uh, it, yeah, and the music is interesting. This is a musical, so we should probably discuss that component. Um, it it does kind of start off with this this B fifty twos kind of like you said groove to it, uh, but also it, it's more like if you went to the toy store and bought the cheapest children's keyboard you could possibly find, and there was like a B fifty twos demo setting, <laughs> then that's what you would get. Right, and the production on this music is bottom bottom rung. Oh, absolutely bottom rung. Like the guitar sounds like. Complete compressed ass. Uh, the, the like, <laughs> the drum machine in the background is hilarious. And there's all these parts too where clearly the singing, and I'm not just talking in the movie. I'm talking the singing on the actual audio track isn't syncing with the instrumentation, so everybody's a little off beat, which is right. super annoying. And, and the vocal clarity is not an A plus either, which is oh, kind no. of an important thing when you're doing a, a movie musical. Yeah, yeah. So, but the there's kind of an opening number that is forgettable. But my favorite part here is during the first twenty minutes, they're just playing like the same dumb synth line and the same backbeat, and then every once in a while, you just hear these these women's voices just go like doot doot doot, and that's it. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Right, which is the best music in the movie. It's uh, pretty awesome. Thank God they reprise it several times throughout the film. Yeah. It's got to use it as filler. Uh, uh, yeah, so I I guess the before they head off to Earth, they have to recruit a fourth Betty, for whatever reason, uh, mm -hmm. who is 
your presumed lead. This movie doesn't really end up having a lead, but she's no. kind of set up that way where it's like, oh, she's the Disney princess type, the hopeless romantic. Uh, and for there's a strange sequence where she's like, they force her to watch television to brainwash her into coming to Earth or something, which doesn't really fit in with the movie at all. Now, also charming, though, because that sequence is just a CRT television wrapped in aluminum foil showing, like, public domain cartoons and news clips, which is pretty great. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, they have a song about how TV rots your brain or something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, so then they, they head off in their uh, Honda Fit, and uh, this is when the movie, yeah, they might as well have piloted straight into the sun, because as soon as they they land, they crash, by the way, they have to, this is apparently a plot point, although it's not. Uh, it happens twice, and it, it's still not a plot point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then we're introduced to the... Um, the male equivalent of, of the Bettys, I guess. The the men who they will end up pairing off with, who are just three the, scrawny idiots living in a beige apartment. Who are the fucking worst. Like, yes. literally, their apartment and, and these guys as characters, uh, they they basically tank the entire movie. It's They are a giant lead weight. This is not that this is, you know, some great masterpiece that's been dragged down by a couple of yahoos, but this could have been completely watchable. <laughs> but holy shit, these guys are the worst, the absolute worst, uh, 100% the worst. And we are introduced uh, to them as they are playing poker in a scene that I cannot for the life of me wrap my head around. Uh, what are the choices being made in this scene where they're clearly playing for money? Money is uh, mentioned. It's not a big money, but it's like a game where you'd be playing with dimes or something. Yeah. Uh, I believe the, the max bet is $5 or something of that nature. Ah, that's like an all in. And, uh, instead of having coins on the table, they have like popcorn kernels. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they didn't, they didn't have the budget for money. So. For, for pocket change. <laughs> uh, so why don't they just not play for money? Uh, <laughs> These are the, the important questions. And so this this game ends with uh, one character beating uh, two pair with a full house. And for whatever reason, we deem to have this dialogue and then have him throw his cards down and show them directly to the camera where they are... Uh, a total five different cards that don't match up at all. There's, there's, nope. He doesn't even have a single pair. And and one of the other characters then remarks, you don't have a full house, you have four of a kind. And he said, those are my jokers. They can be whatever I want them to be. And yeah. then my head melted. Yeah, it did. There's not a lot of thought that what it is. And, and there's there's like several things that are are really like head scratching in this conversation and in everything they do where it's just like no one stopped to think about this and this isn't just nitpicking it's really like weird shit that is antithetical to who these annoying shitty characters are supposed to be so there's a there's a scene right after this where i guess in addition to betting for money they're also betting on whoever wins the next hand gets to decide what they do this weekend 
and one of the guys is like, I know, we'll watch Empire and then some Star Trek movie. Uh, Generations. Generations. Star Trek Generations, back to back, and then we'll decide who the better captain is once and for all. And then it's like, wait, so Star Trek Generations is the one with the original cast and Captain Picard cast, right? So it would make sense if you were just talking about that. Who's who's the captain in Empire? Are we talking about like Han Solo here, or are we are we going super nerd? Are we going like Grand Moff Tarkin? Like what the what is this? It's just it's poorly written. A can we not have another fucking piece of dialogue about Star Trek or Star Wars in a movie ever a fuck again? I don't want to. I don't ever want to see a movie that's debating the merits of Kirk versus Picard. Fuck the fuck off. It's been done, you fucking asshole. Yeah. Uh, also, they fucked that up. They just fucking flubbed it. It's clearly that it was their intent, and they just included a Star Wars movie superfluously. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super weird. And there's all these other little things that they do where it's just like, maybe this movie was actually made by a space alien? Like, So when, when the psycho Bettys find their way to these, this guy's, uh, or their apartment, I guess. They share this tiny apartment. Uh, there's this moment where they have a big bowl of cheese puffs. It is clearly cheese puffs. <laughs> I'm not sure if they were flaming hot or not because the, the filter made it uh, look it's, like they were. But It's, very, di- they were it's very difficult to tell. But cheese puffs nonetheless. And he, and he holds out the bowl and goes, do you want a chip? And it's like, what? who calls a cheese puff a fucking chip? Is this what Maybe. people do in Albuquerque? Is yeah, this an Albuquerque a, thing? A regionalism, yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing. I, it's like when you go down south and you're like, "Yeah, I want a, I want a coke," and they're like, "What kind?" Like, what do you mean? Like diet or regular? They're like, no, you want like a Sprite Coke or a Dr Pepper Coke? I guess See, this is this. It, it's the same thing. I'm sure of it. Uh, oh. so how do the psycho Bettys find their way to the apartment? I'm not entirely sure. So the the one guy, he it's leaves. It's not shown. It's not in the movie. No, it's not in the movie, right? So the the yeah. guy goes to what, like get snacks or something, more snacks, and then he just and then somebody jokes like, "Yeah, get some cheeseburgers, and uh, why don't you bring back some some women?" <laughs> and then he comes back and he's like, "Hey, I, I got women." <laughs> That's it. Uh yeah, that that happens. So Except the, the, one the, of the psycho Bettys is gone off on her own to a bar to cut men's dicks off. Which we don't we don't get any of that either. Like there's no indication like why why does she split from the group? There's no rhyme or reason to it. It just it just happens. No, and she's not set up as the outsider of the group. There no, is an outsider up- of the group. And the other three are, are seemingly unified in their motives until they're not at all. For exactly. Time. And and it seems like the blonde is, is kind of the experienced leader here, too. Sure and, sure. and then so her decision is to go off on her own, even though she's not the outsider, and then leave the outsider girl with the two other just minions who happen to stumble into this apartment. And then as things play out, it doesn't it doesn't really seem like. The psycho Bettys are very good at their job. I mean, Blondie's good. She's cutting off dicks left and right. Uh, the other three, obviously the one outsider girl, she's not going to be too great at this. The other two, they're they they're fucking terrible. 
Well, I guess the the outsider does a pretty good job. She gets bread right quick. Yeah, exactly. Just instant. it's the other two who are just fucking around. I don't know what the no. hell they're doing. All they do is is eat cheeseburgers for literally thirty minutes. That's that's the whole thing. It's like, isn't it funny that their mission is to fuck and or cut off dicks, and here they are. They just want a cheeseburger. Uh yeah. Um. So the the romance aspect is where this movie to me it became like body horror or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good where, way of putting it. We have this one scrawny man with afro who uh is he falls in love with the the outsider, the romantic Betty. And after they sleep together they have like every scene they're in. They're doing disgusting things. Like, yeah, uh, he's brushing his teeth, and then he just takes the the toothbrush out of his mouth and starts brushing her teeth, and Whoa. she just like spits all over herself, and it's just fucking vile. <laughs> it's pretty and gross. Then, and then, like five minutes later in the film, they cut back to them, and he's just like fucking lathered up his chest with shaving cream and. <laughs> Which she's like eating and then shaving his chest. <laughs> it's like, what the fucking hell is happening? It's, it's quite disgusting and really weird. And then there's this whole thing. And I don't know if it was just so they could work it into a song lyric later because they do. But then there's this whole discussion they have about like press on nails or something. And it's that it's like she's putting on nails and gluing them to her fingers. And it's just. I don't know why we need to see any of this. Not none of it. It doesn't make any sense. This movie's ninety minutes long. It should be thirty tops. It should, honestly, it shouldn't be a movie. This should be some community theater play somewhere. Uh, well, I think we'll have a better contender for that later on. But uh, this, yeah. <laughs> to me, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know who produced. Like, who was like. We were talking about how it's separate subcultures and this kind of felt like rockabilly, but it in the end isn't. And these people don't really seem like you would think if someone was making this film, it'd be like the local burlesque troupe or something. Yeah. All, especially all the men are just like the most boring, fucking scrawny, like theater dropout idiots. And I don't know. I, I I just don't know. Like, if I didn't know better, if the if the subject matter wasn't even a little risque, and it doesn't go in a risque direction with it, but I'd be just, I suppose the plot is too risque for what my theory would be, which is that it honestly feels like something a mega church youth group would put out. It's got that sort of, like, insane, cultish, like, bubbly energy and yeah, it's it is very bubbly and happy and optimistic, despite having you know multiple scenes where guys' dicks are getting chopped off, uh, which it's not shown. But we got some some dead dudes with bloody crotches. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I think you summed it up best when you said the cast was like the the staff from the local Johnny Rockets. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't know what they're what they're going for here. It's it's not great and. Nobody in this film is, you know, a master thespian. Let's let's get that out in the open. But it's really weird because, at least at on some level, even though the characters are poorly written, the the, the women seem to understand what these characters are and and what they're doing. 
But the guys, like, in addition to be being horribly boring and shitty actors and shitty singers, they also have, like, no concept of, of what their characters are or, or what they should be doing. Or This is nothing going on. I mean, if you're going to give me shitty actors and shitty singers, at least make them beefcake, right? They're not even yeah. fucking beefcake. Give me some beef. I want the beef. <laughs> Uh, it, it, I don't know. Again, it's just obviously like probably real life couples and just a group of good friends. I hope and, they're not real life great. couples. Ladies from Psycho Betty's from Planet Pussy can be doing you a can, lot better. You <laughs> can do a, You can do a whole hell of a lot better. Jesus Christ. Ugh. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. That's, uh, I assume these people are all acquaintances. They must have graduated high school together or some shit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I have no idea, but this is this is where the movie really languishes. Is the second act is it's a whole lot of nothing. Like I I guess it's supposed to be like relationship building, and then also the 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 flip side of that is is the blonde woman is going around cutting off dicks while uh, the other three women are are trying to actually bond with these men. I guess. But it, Let's not cast aside that these other Bettys are also indiscriminately murdering people. Yeah, they are. They're doing that, too. That's a uh, thing that's going on. Yeah, which the men figure out and then do nothing about. Yeah, they, they don't care. They actually, they even say it out loud, like, oh, I think they're killing people. And then yeah. they just, they don't address it. They're like, you know, whatever. It happens. That's like right at the end of the movie. They're like, I'm pretty sure they're killing people. And then they show up and are like, can you fix this spaceship? And then they all fly to... Planet Pussycat, the end. That's, so I that's don't it. know. It, it, this you would think there would be a rising action, or it, it, so they get in trouble with the law. There's, there's no get one of your high school pals to throw a fake police uniform about and be like, "Excuse me." Yeah, there's, there's no. I mean, I guess there's conflict, but there's no repercussions or stakes. There's just. I mean, the, the, I guess the final big twist is at the end. It feels like the script realized, like the the scriptwriter realized that, uh, oh God, like nothing's happening. How do I end this? And then he decides that uh, the blonde woman is going to, for whatever reason, shoot her and I quote, "pussy rockets" into Earth and and blow it up. And the other Bettys have a, a a real change of heart here, and they decide they have to save these scrawny schlubs that have fed them cheeseburgers and potato chips for the last 30 minutes. Yes. Uh, it, there's conflict, but the conflict is so manufactured. Uh, there's Your narrative allows for logical conflict. There's, yeah. there's space aliens who are not integrating into society well and have uh, whether uh, one of them is maliciously murdering people, the others seem to just kind of do it on accident or because they're annoyed or whatnot. but uh, yeah. anyhow there's it, they're making uh, an impact presumably in this community there's your source of conflict uh, instead the conflict is that one of the four returns home to planet pussycat with a cooler full of dicks and uh <laughs> convinces the ruler to blow up earth for some unknown reason yeah yeah so yeah it's there's really you know you, you think of your your typical three act structure here. You got your rising action, you got your climax, you got your falling action and and a resolution and we don't there's not a lot of that. There's there's not really I mean there's a little bit of rising action and then it's just a long plateau 
And then in the last 10 minutes, they decide, oh, my God, we need some, you know, super big random conflict to occur. And then that's how we're going to end the movie. Also, it ends happy and everybody gets married and they love each other. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the two of them get pregnant in however long this movie <laughs> takes in span of maybe a week. Uh, I don't know. We also forgot to mention one of my favorite little touches in this movie. Uh, perhaps the least charming low budget thing where they have, uh, a homeless woman early in the film who one of the Bettys murders and steals money from. Uh, and her, her low-budget hobo costume was just a pristine bleach-white T-shirt that someone just, like, dumped coffee over the left breast. <laughs> That's it, yeah. It's like, it's, like, straight out of the package. And, yeah, it's just this weird brown stain. It's... <laughs> That's like me every morning. Like it's better than me every morning. I give you a disgusting white undershirt if you need one, guys. Uh, low budget filmmakers, call me. I have disgusting shirts. Uh yeah, this movie uh it sucks. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> oh, you can pretty much say that about everything we watch. Yeah, that's but yeah. Right. Don't. But the the problem is it could be saved with it's it relies very very i mean we're talking a lot about the plot but this movie is probably 70% songs like it is a real musical and the the recording never improves and it, it, when it diverges from that sort of b52s type thing it it just veers into increasingly unpleasant territory like a lot of just farting guitar riffs that I can't fucking tolerate. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, though, I mean, I, I laughed not with, but at the music at least three or four times. Like, genuinely good hearty belly laugh from me. So, uh, great job, <laughs> I guess. It also, employed, <laughs> it also employed a trick that uh, I, I think that it comes right out of uh, the spy who boned us, where Ooh. they, where they rim shot uh, on more than one occasion. Oh yeah, there's two or three lines. of those. Yeah, yeah. I recall one of them being one of the Betty says something about Jenny from the block, and then a rim shot goes off, and I was like, yeah. "Fucking get me, get my gun." <laughs> it's it's great too because this movie was made in 2011, so a Jennifer Lopez Jenny from the Block reference in 2011 wasn't even topical or funny then. So uh, it's aged poorly, but it was really it, it's like you go to the grocery store and you buy uh, a carton of milk and it's it's already spoiled, and then you wait seven years and it's it's still gross. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the final scene where they are in the church getting married. Um... Of course, is another musical number. I couldn't tell you what the fuck the nature of the musical number was. There's a few no. Blondie songs in here. Uh, some, I uh, mean, not <laughs> fake Blondie. Uh. Some hand jive. Yeah, but there's this choreography that they're doing that is like the laziest fucking half-ass thing where they're just, yeah, hand driving pretty much. Yeah. It's and like, They each are raising their hands at various times and it just fucking looks asinine. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, the lazy choreography for the, the Bettys sort of works, like for the women, because they're supposed to be these, you know, kind of monotone, stone face aliens. So it would make sense that they have these really stiff, stupid dance moves. But 
I, I don't I don't get why everyone else has to be terrible. It, and why I get it because everyone's just naturally terrible, and this is what they're working with. But oh boy, oh boy. See, I will say to the film's credit that I I assumed that probably the Afro having scrawny guy was was the director. I figured at least one of these idiots must have been. But no, no, actually, it was not that vain. So I'll give it that. The the, the director is in the film, but just as, as a glorified extra. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, I, I hate this movie, so thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's great of you. It's shitty, but it's better than last week. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I, yeah, we could pretty much say that. I think we can say that about everything moving forward, that... <laughs> No matter where we go, we can only go up, probably. I hope. Please. Hopefully. God. Jesus. Uh, well, I, I guess we should probably talk about my pick now, eh? Uh, if you insist. If if I insist. Another winner. And these two movies feel kind of cut from the same cloth here. I, I feel like we've we found a trend with uh, shitty low-budget musicals. Uh, they they kind of occupy the same space, but from two completely different subcultures. Uh, this is a movie called Professor Tom Foolery Saves the Planet! Exclamation point. Or is it called Prof Tom Foolery Saves the Planet? That is, that is correct because even though he is referred to as Professor Tom Foolery, uh, the actual like title on Amazon where we stream this. And on IMDb is just Prof Tom Foolery Saves the Planet. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, and on the on the cover art as well. I I don't know. I he's obviously not exhibiting restraint with the length of his title. I'm not sure why he opted to right there cut those characters up. Yeah, that I don't I don't understand that. And it it advertises itself as a gay themed steampunk musical. Uh, yeah. which I got, there's, there's some issues here because I don't think it's, is it really gay themed? Is it really steampunk? Everybody, is it really a musical? I, I don't, yeah, this is, I don't think any of these things are true. <laughs> I mean, there's gay stuff and there's like, you know, people with goggles and there's music but I don't think there's any gay themes. Yeah, I'm not sure if Paul Brett understands what a theme is. I don't think, yeah. it's <laughs> if, Perhaps it would have some environmental themes. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah, I guess well, if you call your movie like the, the old-timey m- movie with music in it, parentheses, also gay men, and parentheses. <laughs> that, that, maybe that's not as snappy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's it's yeah. hard to tell with this one. So, uh, Myros, what what exactly is Professor Tom Foolery Saves the Planet? Now, if you said that the previous film could have been a community theater play, this is a fucking community theater play. Like yeah. 100 per fucking cent, a community theater play. Except hey. with some cinematic devices, like uh, framing it initially as an old-timey silent film. Yeah, they they definitely do that. And uh, shout out to like Final Cut on this guy's MacBook because he used that like default old timey filter. So that was a nice touch. And it's weird because they they start off with the weird old timey intro, 
And then they just sort of indiscriminately throw in the, okay, now it's going to be black and white and have the old-timey filter over it, just whatever the hell they feel like. Yeah, it just keeps kind of cropping back up. And even when they employ the filter later in the film, they don't go back to silent styles. They still dialogue over the the black and white. Yeah, so sometimes it's silent, sometimes there's dialogue. For a a while, I thought they were going to just use it again whenever they they started singing, but then that wasn't the case. So I really don't think there's any rhyme or reason to why this movie does that. It just does it. Uh, This movie makes... Some odd choices throughout, we'll say that. Some? I mean, mean, they're filming on location, obviously, and yet there's still some inexplicable green screen in, like, outdoor settings. Yeah, which looks horrible. Really, really bad. Like, incredible bulk level, uh, or amazing bulk level, excuse me, uh, uh, horrific green screen. Yeah, there's like a scene earlier where it's like... You know what that is. (laughs) Yeah, there's a scene early where he's, like, walking past the waterfall where I'm like, fucking why? And they, like, try and cheat the the scope of it by, like, just framing it so his, like, head is in the shot and nothing else. So it's like, look at the majesty of this waterfall. And it's like, that's not a waterfall. That's a green screen. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not good. I will say that, uh, to the movie's credit... They are shooting in Oregon, presumably. That's what they keep talking about. It looks like Oregon. I've been there. It's you know been there a couple times. Looks like it looks Oregon enough to me. Pacific Northwest, at least. So there's there's a lot of natural beauty, and they shoot outdoors during the daytime. So sometimes the movie's lit pretty well, and it's mostly in focus. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's my glowing so, endorsement. This movie looks a lot better than the last, but that's. Not saying anything. I mean, it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't it look looks, good. It looks adequate. Yeah, it looks uh, a little sharper. That's sure. that's about. It. It's not magenta. So yep. there's that. Um, it, that's that's about it. There's there's. I don't. I can't recall an instance of inadequate lighting. Yeah, also true. There's some uh, baffling framing. That's for certain. Oh lord, there's some baffling framing. I think my my personal favorite is there's. There's some great choices that go on in, in in this scene that repeats itself. So there's these four guys, and they're all like, I don't know, fucking like robber baron railroad tycoons. And they're all just sitting around talking about literally nothing of importance. And there's there's two awesome things that are going on. One, there's a guy sitting in this chair with a fabric like pattern on it. And he's he's wearing he's wearing a vest that seems to closely mimic the the pattern on on the chair, but not enough to be kind of funny or it's intentional. It's like a real it's a real Garden State scenario. Yeah, it's it's it just clashes horribly, and it's it's terrible. And then in the same scene, for some reason, he's like framed off to the side, and then I could only assume the camera operator's arm is just dangling in front like a, a fifth of the frame. So you just get this out-of-focus, fleshy <laughs> arm for some reason. It's it's not okay. It's not good. This is... And it crosses that invisible line about a thousand times in this, in this sequence where it's oh, just like... Yeah. It's it's head-spinning. It's not, it's not exactly Wogcore Y, let me tell you. No, when he has... This is probably the only instance in the film where he has to deal with a setup like this, where it's like four men sitting around in a circle. Most of the film would involve 
generally three men who you can easily block sort of in a line. And this like breaks his brain. Yeah. Uh, the Can't second time. Yeah. The second scene of this nature later in the film with these same four guys, he like tries to get them all in the shot, but they're, st- they're at varying depths and it's just like nobody's in focus. Yeah. It's, it's pretty rough. <laughs> I, oh God, there's some other weird choices too, where sometimes the audio sounds fine. And then sometimes it's some of the worst ADR I've ever heard. And that's saying something. Cause this is the fifth episode of this podcast where one of the things we could look forward to each week is the worst ADR we've ever heard. And then other times it, there's this one guy and he's kind of like one of the head swindlers here in this group. And he's got this big, dumb, furry top hat that he wears. And as you pointed out, like whenever he talks, <clears throat> the the microphone is, is super muffled. So one can only assume, uh, did, did they just put the microphone inside of his big, stupid hat? I I don't know because everything hat, else everything way. else in the in the seat will sound fine and then he'll start talking and just be like <laughs> what what is that what is wrong uh why why is that hat <laughs> is that a question I could ask yeah also if we double back to the robber bear in the scenes this gentleman being the insidious antagonist of the film is in these scenes. And the entire time he has the hat sitting in his lap and he's stroking it like a cat. It's uh, distressing. It's it's very distressing. And so uh, I guess the, the basic plot of this film is the titular professor Tom Foolery moves from Philadelphia to Oregon to, so he can do science stuff in the woods and he's living with his dad, which the dad is basically a useless character. And, and the same age as the son. Oh, yeah. And that's super weird, too. He's like, ha-ha, father, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you guys both look like you're 60. There's no way. This is not okay. Could have gone with brother there. That probably would have been a better choice. <laughs> that's just super weird that, you know, his dad was, was he was fucking when he was five years old. That's That's the only conclusion that I can come to. And so they're they're in this cabin, and then there's a guy who looks exactly like hip hop superstar Post Malone. No, no face tattoos, but other than that, this this is for all intents and purposes, it's Post Malone. Same and, goofy hair too. Yeah. Oh yeah, same stupid hair, which I did not expect. Uh, so yeah, and then Post Malone and Professor Tom Foolery, uh, they start working on experiments, and also they kind of want to fuck. And then they're they're trying to build a, a railroad in town, which uh, for some reason Professor Tom Foolery and his father they don't they don't like trains, which is well, no, explained. they're they're kind of ambivalent towards trains. They yeah. don't they don't seem to have a aversion. You know, the, the, it's the newspaper man who has a strong aversion to the trains. Okay, so the news the guy who owns the newspaper hates trains. I would say if I was steampunk, I would fucking love trains. Steam trains. It's in the name. What is more steampunk than a fucking train, other than like maybe like a Zeppelin with cogs on it or something? And wait a second. Do we even see a train in this movie? Uh, no. There's there's no trains. Uh, again, 
a steampunk <laughs> movie about trains and you don't fucking have a train in the movie. There's, there's no train. <laughs> <laughs> Budget constraints, man. Uh, I, I mean, they they had room for ugly CGI, literally everything else. So I, I don't know why they couldn't get a train budget here. Uh, but they also seem to be shooting this in like Oregon backwoods pioneer town. So you'd think they'd just have a train lying around, right? You would think. Yeah. Even I, if it's I, not in service, just a rust bucket. That that fits the aesthetic. That's fine. Yeah. Get get it in there. Trains are steampunk. You can't do the steampunk without the trains. I also thought there's a lot of gnomes involved in steampunk, but uh, apparently not. There's no gnomes either. Well, I guess this film sort of as like a, an airship. It, I it mean, does. it's the most tacked on thing imaginable, but I guess it, since they threw that in the last 10 seconds of the movie, they can call it steampunk. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, I guess so. That's that's literally the last 10 <laughs> seconds of the movie, and it's it's the most haphazardly thrown together green screen shit. Like, it just. I don't know. It looked like a Mr. Rogers neighborhood CGI puppet fucking. I was gonna say it looked ship. like Terry oh. Gilliam if someone like smashed his hands with hammers. <laughs> Just incapable of doing his job. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty rough. But the whole thing is so. I, I guess Professor Tom Foolery wants to make like a a, a mind reading device or something, and his father, who's six months older than him, has decided that this is a stupid idea and no one wants a mind-reading machine. So he should take an offer from the train company to make a, a machine that pushes down trees because their current strategy is like giving magical tonic to the townspeople, which I, I is... Is it's like cocaine, like liquid cocaine, essentially, right? Yeah, I think it's it's meant to be cocaine and lemon juice. Yeah, and then they're all addicted to drugs and cutting down trees, but also they're like, let's have this contest to have an inventor create something for us, and it'll cost twenty five hundred dollars because we'll give them that as a prize, and then we'll have a tree pushing machine. And the counter argument is, this is a better idea than. And I quote, going to China and getting Chinamen and bringing them back. <laughs> because just putting out a call for a, a tree pushing machine, you just turn that around real quick. Less than two months, right? Uh, yeah. Also, I I would assume that this tree pushing machine, as he invents it, would be worth significantly more than $2,500. So I'm not I, sure I would why also he, think would, that. he would agree to enter such a... A contest, right? And he, and he creates this, like, giant steampunk mech that well, pushes you, these trees over. Presumably. I mean, we don't see the device at all. All we see is a, a brass railing with some yeah. some fog behind it. That, some fog, that, yeah. Thereby, it must be a steampunk mech. <laughs> that's, that's all that we can assume. And it's solar-powered. Don't forget that. Solar and steam-powered. Yes. The sol- sun makes the steam. You don't yeah, the trees. Which is also a weird thing because I I was having trouble following this. I so the robber barons they they eventually take Tom Foolery's like his his device or whatever, but then they just want his because uh, he blows up the device because he doesn't want to kill the trees. So then they just want his technology for like solar steam power. 
but then they don't actually want the technology. No, yeah, they don't want the technology, Cuff. Yeah, uh, you got to ask yourself. This to me. You got to ask yourself who killed the electric car. Ah, uh, <laughs> it's a question many, many of us are asking in 2002 when that great documentary came out. <laughs> so yeah, this the robber barons uh, in their last insidious meeting have procured the patent for this uh, world saving technology, the the solar steam that will make. Uh, fossil fuels and trees and all sorts of things obsolete uh but they've they've procured it because they wish to destroy it because there's no profit to be made in such a device because oh, sure. they need to perpetually sell people these these other items to fuel their oh, their goods God. Uh, that's, that's great yes yeah, so it's but then it's everybody lives a, happily ever after anyways <laughs> Uh, well, again, Tom Foolery here, a real fucking hero. He makes this world saving technology, and then he just sells it so he can build a fucking school or some shit and an airship. Well, and he got rid of that pesky tonic, which, yeah. in another bit of conspiracy uh, hokum, the the robber barons have also decided that instead of distributing the tonic to their employees, they will. Mix it with carbonated water and sugar and sell it to them. Uh, well, this is anti-soda. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah fuck, fucking Christ. You, yeah. you want to make some political points, then let's do a better job, fellow. That's that's one of my favorite things. And by favorite things, I mean thing that makes me want to you know slit my own throat the most is, uh, boy, this movie really likes itself a lot. A lot, and, and does it ever think it's smart? It really thinks it's really fucking smart. Uh, well, I mean, it, 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 the guy's got a fucking quote book. He must be smart, right? Yeah. So you, oh boy, there's. <laughs> I'd call it a scene, except it happens like three different times, and this is a short movie. It's like eighty minutes long. I think and it's I, less than eighty, actually. And yeah, it might be. I mean, that's probably with credit. It's probably like seventy. Right. And I would say at least twenty minutes of this movie are uh, the the father and uh, this this old guy that runs the newspaper just quoting people back and forth, and then you know so like one of them's just like oh yes well to be or not to be, and then the other guy goes ha ha Shakespeare, and then they just they go back and forth like that just endlessly in a loop just it's and that's what this shit is because people who like this shit. Are, are fucking jerk off nerds who who just sit around and and they think that because they can quote things that they don't have any real understanding of that makes them smart and good and, and that's what this is just yeah, over and over again it's got that fucking asinine like faux intellectualism where it's like oh i memorized a bunch of stupid bullshit thereby i should be running this town and yeah it, it's also got that fucking like venerable institutions thing with higher education and uh, the newspaper and uh, these can't be compromises uh, compromised because they are our, our greatest uh, creations as a society and yeah I, I think the guy probably huffs Aaron Sorkin oh yeah there, there's a lot of like weird things where it's just like super obvious wink nudge in these conversations with the newspaper guy and and the dad where 
It's just like, ha, ah, well, we don't want just, you know, one or two line little blips of dialogue. People will never learn anything if they don't write, if they don't know the value of the pen. It's like, dude, we get it. You don't like Twitter or text messages, I guess. But fuck, yeah. dude. Yeah, there was a whole thing about soon they'll be abbreviating things to three letters. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Oh, Jesus, fuck. You're ah, so old, man. Let's all LOL at that, shall we? <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's this real smugness to this whole damn thing, which is hilarious because it's a pile of shit. Uh, you, you didn't really earn it, Professor Tomfoolery. Uh, yeah, I, that's true. Um, so we didn't even talk about the music in this. I guess it's... Yeah, we probably should. It's, it's hard to, though, because there's not a lot going on. No, it's literally just, like, between scenes, they'll constantly cut to, like, three men singing old favorites, Camp Town Races or something. I fucking... <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. It's just like, my body lies over the ocean, my body lies over the sea. And it's all, like, exaggerated, old-timey voice. But, good God. I, I mean, the music in Psycho Buddies is bad. The, the shit... In tomfoolery, which doesn't need to be there. This doesn't need to be a musical. Oh, like no. The, the musical dubbers are so shoehorned in, and for no reason. And it, they just... Uh, nothing is okay. So th- these are, like, classic tunes that they clearly have, like, the... I googled, you know, public domain music, and, like, the MIDI piano version of Camp Town Races came up. And then I don't know if they just have everybody who was on set just kind of sing into a microphone for these or if they, um, you know, hired a barbershop quartet that had spent a significant amount of time underwater so that, you know, they don't have all their their brain faculties with them there. Nobody can stay together. Everyone's just sort of singing over each other. No one can actually sing. Well, the the timing's off. Yeah, the purpose of a barbershop quartet is like, Different octaves. These people are all like really high on the register. It sounds yeah, they're, like they're a all like two octaves. boys choir or something. <laughs> they're all like two octaves above where they're comfortable singing, basically. Yeah, right. It, For it, no reason. You're supposed to have someone in each each octave range here. That's the point of the barbershop quartet. No, no, just the the point of this barbershop quartet is to make my ears bleed. Uh it's stupid. I don't know why it and he this this movie would be much better served to not have the musical stuff. And again, it it feels like this would work in a community theater where you just have these fucking four guys sitting at the balcony or the course section just belting out tunes while they change sets. That's fine and well. It doesn't work in the movie at all. And uh I it's just kind of baffling because they he doesn't know how to handle making a musical too. And that's the other point where this movie really breaks is the Psycho Betty's knows enough to ADR all the musical stuff. The, the actors are all lip syncing uh, over music tracks. And this movie is like half and half. Like sometimes they'll lip sync and then sometimes it'll have one of the main cast like decide to chime in on the song and it's like overlaid over the track and totally off pitch and sounds it's fucking horrible. awful. It is uh, un- unbelievably bad. Uh, just holy shit. And I-, I think that's that's a big sticking point for me too is uh, you this is a musical and 
far and away, the worst part is, good God, the music is completely insufferable and really doesn't factor into the film at all. It is the fucking worst. So <laughs> so I guess this movie is essentially a, a romance. That's, I mean, beyond all these stupid trappings, that's what yeah. it, it, it purports uh, to be. Right? The world's about- most under undercooked romance of all time well it has two undercooked romances i guess the 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 father's romance with the newsman makes a hell of a lot more sense than the the other one frankly yeah yeah which which involves post malone just coming to work for tomfoolery and tomfoolery coming out of the closet and uh embracing this 20 years younger man and uh having uh, a hot, steamy romance, and, yeah, and almost it, blowing him up and giving him a permanent disability, and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty abusive too. Because I mean, Post Malone goes from like, "Hey there, Mister, I love to help out," and "Gee, thanks for helping me earlier." To "Daddy, I want to fuck." In like, it's like zero to sixty in three seconds, man. It, it, none of this develops at all. At all. Not even a little bit. And then all of a sudden they're taking a bath together, which is fine because at this point in the movie, I think I was texting you and I'm like, not enough gay stuff, all caps. So thank you for the bathtub scene with Post Malone. Uh, Also, uh, real Post Malone. Maybe maybe you should take a bath, real Post Malone, if you're listening right now. (laughs) You look look like you need a little scrub down. Uh, Anyways, but then, yeah, like Tom Foolery is a complete dick to Post Malone. And literally makes him explode. This guy's not a scientist. He's a woodcutter. And he has Post Malone, like, running the steampunk tree-pushing mech. And it it blows up a little bit. Like, the boiler explodes or something. Uh, Which, by the way, earlier in the film, Tom Foolery himself blew blew up up a boiler. Yeah. 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 And he acts like this is a, a, you know, a, a horrible thing. And that scene, too. Holy shit. You want to talk about a movie that... It's like, hey, let's slap on some horrible CGI for literally no reason. That's that's a great scene when when the boiler blows up. My well, God, everything with that that boiler. It's just again, they are shooting at this fucking cabin. Yet when they show exteriors to establish the setting, they don't use the exterior of the cabin. They use like a still photo they have taken of the exterior of the cabin with a garish like digital tack on of like a bulb on top to which I is presumably the boiler I yeah. I don't know why it needs to be visible in these exterior shots it looks like fucking shit uh, stop using it yeah it just looks like an orange beach ball that someone duct taped to the top of this picture of except a- less tangible because it's not a real object no no exactly it's just like what? what is that is there like a smudge what is what do we got going there it's it's really bad but yeah, so I don't know. I I I don't understand. Tom Foolery, you know, he blows up his assistant. He's a total dick. Gives him a permanent disability, and then everything just sort of comes together, and they're cool. And then they fly off into the sunset in their stupid ass steampunk uh, blimp. See, I think we are led to believe that Tom Foolery is a dick to Post Malone, not because of the boiler accident. Uh, he's using that to cover up the fact that he was he was terrified that Post Malone may have been hurt in this accident. Oh. Uh, I think that's the internal thoughts of the character that we're meant to infer. Uh, oh. It's not It's not especially clear, but there's like a little scene in the forest afterwards where he's like, oh, shucks, I love Post Malone. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> I just not I just I can't separate this character from the actual Post Malone now. It's it's making me happy. Uh well and then so his father who just spends the entire movie like just blabbering back and forth in this dick measuring contest with the the newspaper guy then his dad like randomly fucks the newspaper guy right uh well it's it's more of a contrivance there's a narrative contrivance here that i don't know why they chose to go with uh they could have just been like, ah, these inter- intellectual sparring partners became attracted to each other. Well, that would that that works. That makes sense to me. Um, instead, uh, Tom Foolery and his father have recently moved to Oregon from uh, Philadelphia, I believe, mm-hmm. and they the father had attended NYU in his youth, which is uh, not. Uh, the technical school this movie would would have you believe, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it turns out that the newsman was his roommate at NYU the sophomore year, and for no, even though his his fucking last name is Foolery, and he has given the newsman this name, uh, this this wasn't recognized by either character until very late in the third act. Uh, such a common name, I could see why it would be. Uh, an issue. So they are yeah. old, uh, old friends. Perhaps they had a a tryst back then, but uh, the father was bent on living a societally accepted life and uh, had his son. But uh, nonetheless, they've reconnected all these years later, uh, thousands of miles away. They they both went down the Oregon Trail. Neither died of dysentery, uh, and they have found love at long last. Mm-hmm. That's a real, real beautiful, beautiful story. Well, that that works. That's probably the most successful yeah. element of this film. I mean, yeah. as much as I don't fucking want to see a bunch of idiots spouting Aristotle quotes, it, at least it's at least for, those two it, idiots found each other. <laughs> it's for someone. That is yeah. for someone. Sure, sure. I oh god, this movie. I, I think I, I mentioned this earlier, how it, it's very much in love with itself. Right? That's true. It, just to an annoying degree. And this is like, I, I don't know. When I was watching Psycho Betty's, it's just like, you know, these are probably a bunch of friends. And, you know, maybe they're undergrads in like a film program at New Mexico State in Albuquerque or something. And then this is just them having fun. And... At least it seemed like in that movie that everybody was enjoying themselves and everything was fine. Tom Foolery feels like director, writer, star Paul Bright's just like personal uh, fucking just intellectual jerk off section a session basically. And, and a lot of these movies are like that. When, when you watch these these low budget auteurs, their their giant inflated egos don't always match their <laughs> their output. And my God, this is—I just—I I can't deal with it. The, the dialogue and and the the smarminess of the whole thing—it's—it's it's really, really annoying. See, I, I just got such a clear sense of what this movie is, and it's not a movie. It is—you—you you probably have a, a town in Oregon that skews old and skews liberal, 
And this guy is fucking cock of the walk at the stupid downtown theater. And he wrote this fucking thing and he put it on and it had this nice barbershop quartet uh, accompaniment. And at the end of it, every smug old liberal just sat there and went, ha, ah, great job. Great job, Paul. What a triumph. And then he said, well, fine, I'll try and I'll try and sell it as a movie. Uh, but it is what it is. It's, it's for that audience and it's, it's not incompetent on that level. To me, this movie was so much easier to sit through than Psycho Betty's. Like this movie, you you could watch it. If it was on fucking Hallmark or something, it would be like, well, this is a pretty shitty movie, but it wouldn't be like, what the fuck is this doing on television? (laughs) That's fair. It could kind of blend in the background a little bit more than Psycho Betty's, which is it's Psycho Betty's has a it's got an aesthetic going. It's it's a yeah, movie all like, of its own. No point in tomfoolery where I was like, I can't fucking deal with this. It was just there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Myros, you know this this guy that made this movie, Paul Bright. He's he seems like. To me, at least, he's like he's really up his own ass and uh, a little self-absorbed. And so I I took the liberty of going to his website to to look up a little bit more about him and and Professor Tom Foolery. And boy, oh boy, did I find some gems. First of all, I know what you're getting for Christmas next year or maybe your birthday. Or maybe I'll just get you two copies because did you know that there is an official... Uh, a compendium to Professor Tom Foolery Saves the Planet that you can buy on Amazon. That's Is right. It a comic book? <laughs> oh, no. It's a, it's a book. It's got behind-the-scenes stuff, photos, you know, for all the big Tom Foolery fans out there. Wow. You would think it would just be a comic book with steampunk art that they couldn't afford to fucking do. <laughs> no. No, that, that would be that'd be probably a better idea. Again, that's that's the common theme here. Look, a bad movie. There's probably better ideas. <laughs> uh, but also, in case you were wondering, on this beautiful, vibrant WordPress site, which still has like the default WordPress bar at the top, by the way, that says like my website, uh, <laughs> there is a section called What is Steampunk? So we can finally hear it from Paul himself. He probably should have read that section before he made his movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, let me tell you what he wrote. <clears throat> What is steampunk? Steampunk is a statement. It's a yearning for civil discourse, honorable intentions, and gallant manners. This is like the hello, m'lady of fucking (laughs) manifestos here. You could spot a fellow believer in the noble cause for a better world since they wear a steampunk medallion (laughs) on their jacket. A A medallion? Or maybe they're wearing a fucking top hat and a monocle. Well, no, they say, there's the next part. They wear a, a steampunk medallion on their jacket, a stylish hat and goggles, or carry a classic book under their arms. A stylish goggles. That's a fucking thing that doesn't exist. And a classic book under their arms. So you see some, like, dickhead fucking carrying around, like... A Dickens novel. It's got goggles on. How are you going to read that book with your goggles? (laughs) It's a good question. Does anybody actually use the goggles in Steampunk? What are the goggles for? (laughs) For flying the dirigibles. Oh, that's true. (laughs) For train rides. (laughs) 
Of course, no one looks more educated than when they carry the official fantastical compendium. It's a conversation starter and an ideal way to inspire mutual interest. Set this upon your armchair in the coffee house and pre- be prepared for a fun evening. The official fantastical compendium is available exclusively at Amazon. <laughs> Can you imagine in, in a thousand years, would you ever see someone with the Professor Tom Foolery official fantastical compendium and, and, and actually want to have a conversation with him as you stare through his stylish goggles? Oh, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> this is just like... I feel this is just like misleading information for incels. Is that what this is? Uh, hey, he's out and proud, man. I okay, but like, this is like if if you went to Comic Con in Boise, Idaho, and some guy was playing a mandolin in 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 the fucking hallway, and you're like, yeah, that guy that guy likes to fuck. Hey, I don't. This is an audience, man. There's, there's people who do this shit. I don't know who they are. I don't can know you, why they are. Can you imagine though? Like, what do you like? Do you honestly think you're going to walk down the street in a stupid hat carrying a, a, a classic novel, and someone's <laughs> going to come to you? Oh, good day, good sir. Does he think that in his mind, the conversation that occurs between the dad and, and the and the newspaper owner in this film, like he thinks, one, that is a good thing to happen, and two, that is a thing that will happen to you. Hey, and should. the world would be a better place if we could all just fucking converse. <laughs> it, yeah, <laughs> it's a yearning for civil discourse. You know that kind of discourse where you just quote dumb bullshit back and forth to each other uh, well, without that actually is saying the, anything? The folly of faux intellectualism where they think that intelligence is just memorization where it's just like, fuck off. That's <laughs> some great uh, stuff. You, you failed to mention now that I've found my way over here. What the fuck? What the hell is a tub talk? That's terrifying. But uh, the first thing I, of course, clicked on was the fact that he has uh, a section labeled Manifesto. Ah. <laughs> uh, and he has he's taken an oath, which goes as follows. Whereas international corporations dominate world media encouraging violence, <laughs> revenge, and hatred of anyone different. It's our responsibility as artists and filmmakers to create enjoyable and engaging films celebrating life, love, compassion, and diversity because we understand our audience is intelligent and deserves our respect. Does this sound like someone who's a scumbag cuff? No. It's a good no. guy. It's a good guy. It's a good film. Uh, clearly, you lost. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand this guy. I, I just I can't do it. I, I will take the entire Wade staff of... My local Johnny Rockets over some fucking dude in a gnome coat and it is stylish goggles. Okay, this tub talks. He's got uh, he's got a series of YouTube videos of him sitting in a bathtub uh, talking about things like the Sony hacking debacle and uh, something about. Trump and the flag. Uh, I I gotta watch this. What? It's a video. No, five separate videos. It's a series, a YouTube series. Tub talks. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to subscribe to that channel. How many subscribers does he have? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see if I can get there without uh, just horribly starting a blaring video. 
Oh God, he's wearing a tinfoil hat. <laughs> But he's not wearing his signature medallion. Ah. How would I know that he's steampunk then? Oh, my God. He has 10,000 subscribers. What? Are you serious? Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. That's a lot of people. See? He's a good guy. (laughs) He's a good guy. Uh, You know what? Here's, Here's my take on the whole thing. Uh, if you're an independent filmmaker and, and you want to do good in the world, that's fantastic. Here's what I'm asking for. Do do musicals, but like make them actual musicals. Uh, do do movies about love and compassion and, and you know taking care of one another, but do them well. And do movies with gay themes and not just, you know, some old guy and Post Malone sharing a kiss. That's not a theme. That's just a thing that happens. And also, no steampunk. No steampunk ever. Ever. Also, so his website must just not get updated that regularly. If you look on this YouTube channel at the uh, classic Tub Talk uh, playlist, he in fact has he has 74 separate Tub Talk videos. Is he in a tub? He's in a tub. In is, every is he, one. Is he nude? Well, at least... Uh, Giving the appearance of nudity, he may be wearing some skivvies, but uh, what's what's the level of goggles and 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 hat, stylish hat? Based on thumbnails, I see the occasional hat, not not stylish enough for my liking, not of the mm. top variety, of the bowler uh, variety. That's the other option. I see some cabbie hats, some cowboy hats. It uh, looks like a Castro hat, uh, Ooh. a tinfoil hat, as previously mentioned, a sombrero. No, but no medallion. Well, there's no shirt. I don't know if he's going to put it. Oh, top hat. <laughs> there we go. Uh, that is the Professor uh, Tom Foolery Saves the Planet uh, Tub Talk. <laughs> there we go. It all makes sense now. I'll have to watch that Tub Talk later. Oh, I'm sure he's a got Santa some... hat. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad I've got to get some themed ones out there. Got to have the holiday themed hats. <laughs> uh, come on. This guy's just trying to save the planet. Uh, what are these psycho Bettys trying to do? Sounds like they're trying to start a fucking cult to me. <laughs> I think we're going to have to split on this one, because something about Tom Foolery just, uh, it really rubbed me the wrong way. I, psycho Bettys had moments of charm, but Tom Foolery couldn't even make me laugh. It was like a dull migraine. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't disagree that... Psycho Betty's had higher highs, and it, it is undoubtedly a better musical than mm-hmm. Tom Foolery. Yeah, but a better movie it is not. <laughs> that's I mean that's that's fair too. I think I think it's fair to split on this one again. I'm all right with that. I can all accept right. that. All right, we accept the split. So let's let's just for the listeners, we've got two movies here. Psycho Betty's is it an atrocity or a curiosity? I'm gonna go ahead and call it. An atrocity. It is most certainly an atrocity. There's 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 moments of curiosity, and right. I have I have some unanswered questions clearly, but it's it's not worth your investment. It is an absolute atrocity. Professor Tom Foolery saves the planet, or Prof Tom Foolery saves the planet! Exclamation point. A gay themed uh, steampunk musical. If you want the full title, uh, atrocity or curiosity. Well, I am quite curious about this tub talk uh, <laughs> business. I, I'm going to have to call Professor Tom Foolery Saves the Planet an atrocity. It's an absolute atrocity. Tub talk, though, uh, curiosity. 
curiosity to, uh, for sure. At the very least, it's, it's quite short. Although the same could be said for yeah. Professor Tom Foolery. I, I can't wait until uh, until Christmas so I can send you that, that Professor Tom Foolery compendium for you to thumb through. I'm sure you're really going to enjoy that. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I want to know what this signature medal is. I've I've seen some steampunk stuff. I've never heard of a signature medal. I I have never heard of the of the steampunk medallion myself. That that it, seems to be a, I it's very strange. Is I've it seen a, a lot of these dirigible? Assholes. I want it to be a dirigible. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. <laughs> find out. We'll find out. Uh, all right, so let's let's wrap things up today. Myros, where can people find you on the internet? Nowhere. That's true. Although keep in mind we want to tease the next episode. But we do want to we do we want can to do this first if you're inclined. Where are they going to find yeah. you, Steve? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Steve Cuff. And hey, if you enjoy the show, you can tweet at me or you can tweet at us uh, at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter. Or you can email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com. That's optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Uh, maybe uh, the titular professor Tom Tfoolery himself will email us. Who knows? And uh, that would be lovely. I'd love that. Or maybe one of the psycho buddies will come and cut off our penises. Also a possibility. Could be. Could be. Could well, be. Could I, be. And we don't use them in that much anyway. No, yeah, it's really. Uh, uh, and, and make sure as well that if you're listening right now, there is a link in the description of this podcast. Make sure you head over to our iTunes page. You can click that link right now. Give us five stars, written review. It'll take you like 10 seconds. That's all you got to do. Click five stars, give us a written review. When you do that, that makes our uh, makes us more visible, and when we're more visible, we can reach more people, and we can continue our world domination in the podcast world, and that's what we want to do. But before we leave you today, Myros, what are we going to be doing for the next episode? Uh, hold on, quick update. I've Googled uh, steampunk medallion. I, I started with signature <laughs> steampunk medallion. I didn't get much. Uh, I'm not seeing a ton. I got to say these full shit. Uh, fuck him. Um, yeah, fuck him. See, I most, was right. You, you want to switch your vote now? You've been I, I, lied to. <laughs> Paul has lied to you. I say the majority of these are, look like the innards of a pocket watch. Okay. Uh, but they, they still, there's a, a wide swath. Some even involve Cthulhu. Ooh, that's that's pretty uh, obnoxious nerd talking as well. Uh, yeah, well, it's a fucking steampunk. What do you think is happening? Uh, yeah. Anyway, I am bringing to the table for you next week. Uh, a little film called Blood Dynasty, and this one, this is going to be special. I think I could, I could physically not sit through the entirety of the trailer. So, I oh, think that's exciting! It, I think we might be in for something good. All right, and I'm going to counter, and I think I think I need a win here. I really do. Uh, I, I want I want us to be tied across the board. Got to keep this close. So, I'm going to come out swinging again, and. Sounds like the one that you chose is a vampire movie. It's right? a vampire film. Excellent, a, a excellent. real ar- arty vampire film. Ah, artsy vampire. That's exactly what I need in my life. So I'm going to also choose a vampire movie, but I'm going the other direction, and it seems to be a zero budget vampire movie mockumentary. Although I can't tell if it's maybe just a zero budget vampire movie, like the the line has been blurred for me. I'm, I'm not sure, but it's, it's a real called "What We Do in the Shadows" situation. A real "What We Do in the Shadows" situation, and it is called "Fangs for Nothing." Get a little play on words for you there, Myros. Fangs for nothing. Well, fangs for that. Yeah, 
No, no problem, buddy. All right, we will be back next week with more trash, and uh, hopefully we'll survive. Hey!